Hello, welcome to the space. This is episode three of the podcast, and I am with special guest Nigel McIntosh. I initially wanted this episode to be on a different topic, but I cannot bite my tongue about all that's been happening recently. Before starting out, I just want to thank everybody who's taking a stand against this injustice. While it might seem pointless for some people to post on social media, I appreciate it because it helps increase visibility and awareness about what's going on. I hope to use this podcast as a platform to further support the people in my community and help advise those outside my community on next steps. So let's jump into the first question. These murders are difficult to digest for a lot of people. So the first question I want to pose is what are some of the emotions you felt or feel when hearing about these cases and how are you coping? Najee, you want to start with that? Yeah, for sure, Trey. Um, I guess we could look at some of the most recent that we have been seeing pop up in today's society, especially in America and in cities across the country. Um, several injustices caused by the people who are supposed to be there to serve and protect and serve us, mm-hmm. who are the police officers in America. Um, this most recent incident to talk about that's been making the headlines the most is George Floyd. When I first saw this video, eight minutes long, I didn't know really what to expect, but I was like bracing myself from the impact that I would get beginning but through watching that video just the pain that I felt and being able to like be there and like watch that video and just see what was going on in that video and just watching the life be drained out of this man while this Mm -hmm. cop on top of him and just sitting there and kneeling even though there were countless witnesses other people watching filming Mm -hmm. he was being filmed on the camera and still did not care what his actions were going to do he had Mm -hmm. he wasn't worried about that at all because he knew what he was a white man in America who much get away with stuff and that's just not the way that things should I believe things should be run in 2020 so watching that video getting back to the point I would just like to say um I would say it did spike up a lot of anger in me but more so what I felt was pain because as me a black man in 2020 watching that still be happening whenever I do have like I have seen those steps and progress being made equality that we want to make just stuff like this realize oh well it's not happening as quick as you think mm-hmm. or, and there's still a lot that we have left to do yeah for sure great analyst analysis i guess for me when i saw that video i mean there's no other words to describe that but but pain to hear him crying out for help to say mama he's a grown man screaming out mama has a knee on his neck, the life draining out of him. And this police officer does not care, does not care. Yeah. Everybody in the video does not seem more worried about his health, but they seem worried about the people filming, like getting them to step back or whatever. Yet there's a guy who's saying, I cannot breathe. Did they not learn from Eric Garner? Like, did they, did they not learn? Did they not care? Like, like, what is really going on? And it makes you think, like, this is something that was just recorded, you know? Think about what would happen if it wasn't recorded. Think about all the instances that were not recorded. Think about all the, he- all the incidents that didn't even reach headlines. Think about all the people who, who are in the hood or like who don't maybe not have the outreach to, to go to social media and have people speak out for them. Think about those people who never really even reached the news. Like it's crazy. And, and seeing that just, it's, it's, it's ticks back the, t- the clock, really, like, what year are we really in? And, and I hope this helps reveal to people that we're not in this progressive America that we all think we are. And it's, it's, 
it made me angry. But the most thing I felt sad is like, I don't want to sit here and cry. Like, but like, that's just what I want to do. I want to cry. Like, I want to cry out for help from, for this dude. Like, but it's, it's, it's too late. He's gone. Too many other people are gone. Breonna Taylor, Eric Garner, so many other people are killed unfairly. And it's, and people talk as though it's not that big of a deal as if people are resisting, but they had control of the situation. He wasn't yelling, barking. He was just sitting there saying, I can't breathe. Please let me stand. I cannot breathe. And that was not provided to him. And that just really makes me sad more than anything. Angry, of course, but sad and hurt is the biggest thing that I've been feeling. You know? And seeing how people react to this, even now the protests, yes, some of the protests can get out of hand, but people seem more caught up in the fact that the protesters might be causing harm to objects versus the fact that police officers and, and other people like the killing of Ahmaud Arbery, what about the people who are dying? Do they not matter more than those objects? Those, those buildings that have security, that, like, that have insurance, I mean? That can be replaced, lives, lives cannot. So why are you more upset about that? If you're more upset about things being looted, then I really, really insist that you question where your mind is, where is your heart at? Because I'm sitting here watching this video, it breaks my heart. It really breaks my heart and I really care deeply because this, this could be me, this could be my kids, this could be my grandkids. Because we're so far, we're hundreds of years removed from slavery. It's, it's been so long since slavery, yet we're still being treated as like worse than objects. Like you're more worried about objects than you are about us. So it's just something you really need to think about. And I, I, I beg of you to please really reflect on how we're being treated nowadays. It's 2020, but it doesn't feel like it. So in transitioning from that, I really wanna talk about how we can move forward from this. Like how can, how can we take this pain or lack thereof pain for us and, and move forward constructively? How can we move forward as a people? And moving forward, not as a way to saying forgetting the past, but moving forward as a way to make sure that, that what has been happening will not continue to happen for generations and generations. So the biggest and most important thing that I believe for change to happen is our non-Black peers have to step up. It doesn't matter how many black people are taking a stand protesting because we're at the bottom of the food chain. Like we don't have the voice that white people have. Like white people might see is like, oh, that's an angry black dude. Oh, that's an angry black woman. Typical, typical, just getting over that, you know? And you really have to think about it and think about what can you do as an ally or as a peer. You say you're, you're pro-black, you're, you support Black lives mattering, you support this and that, but your actions are not saying otherwise. You're, you're, you're posting things that are more worried about objects than you are about the lives of people. So how can you shift and start caring and, and pushing more for the support of Black people? And of course, I'm not saying that all non-Black people are like this, but there are also on the other side, there's, there's people who aren't Black that are posting on social media and they think their job is done or they're rich, they're donating $20, and they think that they've done such a service to this cause, you know? But the number one thing you need to do to instill change is to correct yourself and others around you. Being 
not being racist is not going to solve this problem because you're not going to even properly analyze yourself to determine whether or not you are racist. I was in a class on prejudice, stereotype, and discrimination. And to no surprise, people who took surveys, most people don't think they're racist. Or most people don't think they're highly prejudiced. But that's just not the case. It, even by some miracle, if you're not prejudiced, by some miracle, you're not prejudiced. You better be sure that you know someone who is. You better be sure that you know a family member, a friend, a peer, or someone who is prejudiced or who is racist. And it's your job as a peer to have those conversations in order to not let those prejudiced beliefs turn into full-blown discrimination. Like it's, it's really disheartening when people act as though all they can do is post on social media or, or say like, I'm not gonna post on social media because I'd rather do something, I'd rather just do something in person. Or I, I know I'm a good, I'm not racist, so I don't really need to do anything. I don't need to post anything. Like, what does this matter? And it just shows you don't really care. And it's very disheartening. Naja, what, what do you think on the social media stuff and how people, uh, non-Black people are reacting to this? Definitely. Um, one point that I would like to make uh, initially starting this is what I believe a main issue in our society is today is that when people hear about these issues happening and all of this, and they see us going out in the streets and protesting, uh, fighting for our rights, these people think who are not part of our community are like, well, we already gave you guys um, civil rights like mm -hmm. 1965, 60 years ago. We already gave you guys um, some affirmative action opportunities to help you guys boost mm -hmm. themselves. Why aren't you guys, why can't you guys fight it? Why, what's going on? Why? Yep. Like we've already given you enough. What more do you want? But what you see is this really is what they're seeing. What by doing those actions and saying those things and thinking those things, they are not seeing us as equals. They're seeing us as still beneath them, and they're trying to say, "Well, we're going to give you guys this boost in order to hopefully give you guys better lives." But they still do not see us as equals, which is the problem. Mm -hmm. And that's why well, that's where that problem lies. And I believe with social media and everything like this, um, with people just posting about black lives matter and things like this i feel all right that's that's great that's great i understand like you're posting that you believe mm -hmm. you're aware but but the problem is that that's not all we're trying to promote exactly. we're not just trying to promote that black lives matter we want action to happen and we want this change to happen we want police reform we want people to stop being judged just off the color of their skin we want we want the president to stop racially discriminating people based off the color of their skin and what's us seeing on social media I believe the media really controls and portrays a lot of what the what people believe nowadays. Most mm -hmm. people have this sheep-like mentality, and it is our job as our generation to break people out of this and show them the truth of what happened. So whenever we see protesters on, on media, we always see the people who are looting and rioting or the people who are just holding up signs and yelling at the cops. But what we really need to focus on is the leaders and we need to promote and support these leaders in our society and our community who are actually spreading this message of this change that we want to see happen. Yes, people see, they get it. We're angry. We are angry. We're very angry. Um, me personally, I have been angry about these situations, but instead of staying angry, I would rather, and add fuel to that fire, I would rather make this change and go um, promote this mission for our community to become better, to become better. And for these people outside of our community, the best advice I could give you, yes, it's great. Um, 
posting on social media, doing all this, making people aware. But what we really need is that support within our communities, whether that be just supporting Black activists who are speaking, whether that be supporting Black businesses, whether that be supporting just your friends in general. Um, uh, Being on a a private uh, university with mostly white people, I can tell the difference between my interactions with different types of people. And yes, they may not be racist but it's not also a friendly atmosphere mm-hmm. i feel like they're just like yeah. oh well we tolerate you and that's just not okay like i'm just a friendly person i have met people in in the, uh, these other communities who are very friendly i have some very i've met some very very great people from every single ethnicity across the country so i know it's not it's possible for this change to happen mm-hmm. and we would just like to see these steps start to happen and but it is also our duty as a community to be able to uh, actually um, put out that message of what we really want in this change that we want to see within the communities because that's mm-hmm. what actually heard. Yeah, definitely agree with that. And to, to take it even further to actually enacting that change, you have to hold yourself accountable. Everybody has prejudice. I even have prejudice. Black people have prejudice too a lot of people have prejudice and you really need to take a deep dive and look at yourself and tackling your own prejudice and whether or not those prejudice beliefs might translate into microaggressions and those microaggressions might lead to more microaggressions and then with enough microaggressions in these prejudice beliefs you start to build an idea of what black people are you you build this idea of what they are to you you, you look at their flaws or you look at positives, you think they're good at sports, it's positive that you think they might steal. There's all these things that come together when crafting the black identity. A lot of people have social representations of the black identity that is negative, whether or not they are externally showing that they're supporting Black Lives Matter or they have no problem with black people. Intrinsically, we know that that's, that's not the case. Just because you're saying, I support black people does not mean that you're really supporting them inside. You support black people, but you clutch your purse when you see a black dude walking down the street, you know? So what can you do to really challenge yourself to do some self-reflection and admit, yes, I am flawed. I have prejudiced beliefs. I need to work on this. I heard so-and-so say this about black people the other day, but I know, but, and you told yourself, I know he's not a racist, so I didn't say anything about it. But how are we going to challenge and shift this narrative as Black people, as, as these thugs, as these sports players or, or dumb and stupid, all these things that make it easy, that make it then easy for, for a police officer to kneel in our neck until we're dead? How do we challenge that before it gets to that point? I'm not saying find everybody who's outright incredibly racist and go yell at them. No, I'm not telling you to do that. That's, that's easy. Like, it's easy for somebody to yell at a racist and be like, no, nah, that's messed up. You said an N-word. But what about the things that are building up in our minds from a young age? Nigel, you want to speak on the incident that you occurred, that you uh, saw at Lowe's the other day? Oh, yeah, definitely. So currently, I am in Kansas City. And during this quarantine, instead of staying at home, I decided to uh, pick up some type of pass on activity. So I decided to get a job at Lowe's. Um, it's a pretty great uh, place to work. I mean, it's a pretty decent place to work for a part-time job, and I really didn't have any issues until one day I was working there on my regular eight-hour shift, 
and I just decided, oh, well, you know, uh, I'm on my break, so I'll just and I saw this this lady, um, yes, yeah, she was white, and she was talking to her little son in the bathroom, who was standing outside the bathroom, and she was pretty stern, and she told him, like, oh, just go wash your hands, blah, blah, blah. And me, I was just thinking, you know, oh, this is just a regular kid, you know, acting up because this is what, like, little kids do. And I just walked past them and didn't pay too much mind of it. But this is really when I was taken aback because as I walked into the bathroom, this little kid, um, a little white kid, his father wasn't there. I'm not sure, like, what he looked like or anything, but I did see his mom. She just looked like the regular lady that I would see crossing the street any day. I had no judgment or bias towards her. And this little kid looked, looked at me, laughed, and said, F you, nigga. And my initial reaction was shocked because I just couldn't believe that this was coming from this little kid's mouth. And I didn't believe that he would actually be like bold enough or even like have enough knowledge about these issues to be able to actually direct something like that at me. Mm-hmm. And then after this, he did proceed to tried to basically assault me by splashing water on me and hand sanitizer. But since the, um, this is this was a very difficult situation for me to handle, um, but I did remain calm partially because yes, I was on the clock. So I was really looking out for myself, making sure that no fallback came on me. And especially with the things that, the way that things go in today's society, that could have easily been switched around on me. They easily could have said, oh, I was in the bathroom assaulting this little kid. Anything mm-hmm. could have happened. So at that point, like I knew I had to think smartly and act in the way that I believe like would be able to best reflect my own morals. So I just calmly, I sternly talked to the boy and told him that he had to stop. And then I walked out the bathroom and I told his mom. And then I just went about went went on about getting back on uh, the clock. And then I was talking. I I told my managers and my coworkers about it as well. Um, one thing I do truly like I'm disappointed that I didn't think about in the heat of the moment was when I did talk to his mom, I did like I did forget to mention that this that this little kid did call me the N word because I said that his kid I said that his her son was acting up and that he was like trying to splash water. But that was really the main point that I was really the most frustrated about was this little kid be having enough boldness mm-hmm. and the 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 god to basically call me nigga and mm-hmm. that's just not something that kids just like pick up exactly their, that's something that it's comes built, from their environment built from their environment taught from their environment whether that have been from his parents whoever he whoever they live around whoever it was somebody taught him about that and that's how he knew how to say that that was just a really disappointing moment for me um definitely so trey anything else yeah, for me, it's just I just want y'all to realize that this these are systems that are taught and instilled into people. He 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 didn't wake up. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna grow into a racist when I'm five. Like, no, he didn't. He didn't think that. He wit he heard things. He saw how people were talking. These things that people think that don't they don't matter. Oh, he's he's not really racist. He's just saying that and thinking that that might really matter. Not matter that he's using the N word. That he's doing this. Oh, he's just using a, a rap lyric, right? He's just using the N word in a rap lyric. But what would you, what happens when your little kid's picking that up and might use it or call somebody else that? You know, like you think you're saying something under your breath. Oh, whispering something rude or like offensive and derogatory towards a black person. You think that doesn't have an effect, but it does. Think about your prejudice and think about the prejudice that you're instilling on those under you. 
So think about how this starts at a young age and how can we break that cycle? We need to start teaching these people that this way of treating black people, this way of viewing black people is not okay. I think back to even my time at lower school, the, the way in which I was viewed at in second grade was already starting to get problematic. I remember one time I came into school, I was petting this dog and it just kind of turned on me. I wasn't hitting it. I wasn't being aggressive with it. I wasn't doing anything. It had turned around and bit my finger really bad. I was like, <laughs> I was like, and after that, I was just afraid of dogs. So I came to school all sad. I told my teacher that a dog bit me. And then she's like, oh, well, you must have been hurting it. As a, as a second grader, this is what I'm thinking. She's, she's, she's almost upset at me that this dog bit me. But what about, what about me? What about my feelings? What about my pain? Right. So you heard earlier that that objects are above us. Right. Objects are valued more. So, of course, a dog is valued more than us, too. It's like, you see these things online like, you know how to get white people to get really mad? Hurt a dog. I'm, first of all, I'm not saying hurt a dog. I'm just saying like that's the thing that it seems like it's easier for people to care about when it's a dog than than a, than a human being. So that just starts the narrative. Even I think back to even before that, when I was five years old, we had these chicklets. Like every every year in kindergarten, you would have chicklets come around and you get to hold the chicklets. And I wasn't holding the chicklet right. And out of nowhere, my teacher snaps at me. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, you're not holding it right. He's like, if you hold it like that again, I will ne you'll never hold a chicken again. I'm like, ma'am, this is, listen, I'm learning my ABCs, not how to hold a chicken. Talk to me like a human being. But when you're starting at that young age, talking down, and yelling and denouncing these little black kids. You think that's not messing with their head? And you think the other kids aren't seeing that that's how you talk to black people? You think they're gonna grow up and talk to black people like that as well? Like, come on now, it's these small, it's a lot of these small things that turn bigger when, when these people get older. Like it's these systems that are set in place that sees us as these criminals literally from young age. And it's interesting, you see the shift, like from you being a cute little black boy that that white woman loved to stare at and, and smile at on the, on the street to I'm a clutch my purse. I remember when that change started happening, I was so confused. I was like, dang, I guess I'm not that cute black boy anymore. You know, I'm that potential threat. I remember one day I was coming back from, from Dunkin' Donuts. I had two Thai teas for me and my girlfriend in a bag. My hands were full walking down the street and woman still looking scared, clutching a purse and moving away from me. Like I'm gonna say, ma'am, let me set down my Thai tea so I can rob you real quick. <laughs> like, like, that's what I'm going to do. Broad daylight. It's not even dark out. Come on now. Come on. Now. Like, stop. Think about how you see us. No, not, not externally. Like, you can say I'm pro-Black people, I'm pro-this. But think about how you're really feeling inside. Think about how your friends are really feeling inside. Right? Yeah. Think about who, who's silent, who doesn't care. I talked to this dude on Xbox. And I was like, I was like, hey, bro. <laughs> so, like. This white dude, I don't even really know him like that, but I'm a type of dude, I'll speak up no matter where I am. I'm like, so you heard what's going on. It's like, it's kind of crazy, right? He's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. I'm like, it's like, you, you know, it's like what's happening is kind of messed up. He's like, yeah, I have a good idea. It's pretty messed up. I was like, oh, have you um spoke out or you use your voice at all? He's like, uh, <laughs> no, I haven't. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so can you think maybe you can, um next time you hear Buddy or whatever saying, these negative things you can speak out. He's like, ah. I'm like, no, I'm serious. Like, <laughs> speak out, please, sir. And everybody's laughing, but like, come on now. Like, I'm not saying you have to transform 
from like a type of dude from like Jake from State Farm to a race warrior. I'm not saying I'm not saying you have that dramatic transformation. All I'm saying is take some time to do some self-reflection and use your voice as a person of a privileged group, a group that doesn't have to fear being shot in the same things that black people have to go through. Use that privilege and safety to then have those conversations, confront those people, you know? Because you never know what happens if 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 you confront it. I remember even in high school, I tried to confront things. I made this dude mad one time in class, out of, and then he whispered to make me angry. This is like, I, I literally said what I said to him. I was in high school as a freshman. What I said to him, maybe it wasn't nice. I said he looked like our PE teacher who had a bowl cut. They both had bowl cuts and both wore track suits. I thought it was a funny joke. But he, didn't, he, he, he clearly didn't like it because he turned to me. He said, Trey. I'm the mem- I'm a member of the KKK. I was like, sir. I was like, sir, come on now. Come on now. So so I was mad out. You know I was mad. I was in English class. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do in English class? So I get out of class. I don't bother him. I don't say anything. I go to my friends, my white and black peers after this. They said, no, 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 Trey. He didn't say that. He would never, he would never say that. Why would he say that? Everybody called me a liar and the sad thing is it was my black friends as well saying that he he couldn't say that he's a nice guy he, he couldn't say that it's those same nice guys that go up and snap turn into people like Derek Chauvin people who, who are who are killing people in the street that's supposedly nice guy but when that flip when that switch flips they become a whole nother person because those snaps were not corrected. They, they weren't dealt with. It was, it was justified. It was cushioned, you know? And we can't make excuses for prejudice simply because we don't want to deal with that conflict. Like, yes, it's tough to deal with that conflict, but it's even tougher to grow up. To imagine us growing up and seeing ourselves getting killed. Imagine growing up and seeing your family member getting killed on TV because you were afraid, too afraid to speak up against that prejudice when you're younger. Or you thought he was a nice guy, so he wouldn't do that. His wife left him because she thought he was a nice guy. Yet how many of those prejudices did she see at home? Come on now. It's too late. It's too late to say, I just thought he was a nice guy. Oh, he had well intentions. Oh, he's not a racist. You know, where's the humanity that we need, the respect that we deserve, the way we need to be seen as human beings? You know, we, we have feelings. So when we see this on TV, just because you don't care, you see this black dude getting killed, but it's just like watching a TV show to you. Like, you see people get killed on TV all the time, so you don't care. You don't want to post. It's sad, but, like, just like you're sa- a little bit sad in a TV show, but you're not going to post about a TV show because you feel like it's not really real. But wake up. This is real. People are getting killed. Lives are getting taken. People are getting stripped from their families. Wake up and accept the facts of the situation. People are being killed. And it's not as simple as we're resisting, so we're getting killed. People are sitting. People like Breonna Taylor laying down her in her in her room she's getting shot because because police people want to walk in with no not with with a no-knock warrant and all of a sudden say oh he fired off because they thought you were burglars you're coming in late at night in plains clothes and expecting people to not like who has a legal farm to not shoot back come on now have some have some humanity have some humanity Think of something like 18, 18 shots. Come on now. There could have been a kid in that room. Could have been a baby in the room. But you, would you have cared? No. Come on now. We really have to do some reflection because this is not the society that we need to be living in. 
this is not the ideal world. Trump's America is not the America that we should be living in. With the president, I would say, when, this, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Sir, the shooting starting is how we got here in the first place. Like we literally have a president trying to bring us right back to where we were before. It's, it's crazy. So what I try to say is do not stay silent when witnessing discrimination, no matter how small the event is. Even if it's a microaggression, do not stay silent. It is your silence that enables the growth of these prejudiced beliefs and the discrimination. So please speak out, my non-Black friends. Please use your voice to speak out because at the end of the day, our voices aren't valued, especially because our lives aren't even valued. So you think they're going to value our voices? Come on now. Shoot, that was, that was intense. Sorry I had to get so intense with Nigel, but we're transitioning <laughs> to the next question. But this is really, really powerful for me to talk about. So the next question I'm going to let you start is, what can Black people do? Because it's like this weird, this weird space. It's like, what, what are we to do? Like, we're posting, we're protesting, but, but what can we do? Yeah, definitely. This is a big point because this is what I feel like a lot of people try to blame us for. A lot of the statements that come up whenever issues like this arise is that, oh, Black people are trying to play the victim. Oh, mm -hmm. what are you doing about your own society? Blah, 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 blah. But you see, the thing about 2020 is if you look at the rates already, black on black crime rates have been falling. They have been falling, but people still want to point that out to use that as a distraction mm -hmm. in order to hide from the actual greater issue that's going on. But besides that point, us as black people still do have the responsibility to take care of our own communities. Mm -hmm. I believe us as a, as our generation that is coming up has the power to really make some really great and drastic changes within the yep. society. One thing that I would say I would like Black people to go to just start doing right now during these protests is yes, we see that we're angry and we need to, and we show them we've shown the uh, the country we are angry about what's happening. We are not happy with it. And now our next step needs to be to gather those leaders and actually fight for our mm -hmm. rights to have equality yep. and give put our message out there so that we're serious about this and not just angry for a couple of days and then just yep. go back to everything yep, being that's normal exactly and just go back home and just hide no mm -hmm. like that's not this, that's happened before over and over and over again just to the point where we have to be able to look into ourselves and see those leaders who can gather us as a people and be able to fight right righteously for what we believe is right of course um another thing i believe is that if you look at the long run especially for our generation is that we have the power to be able to build up the black community to a level of power where we are actually respected and mm -hmm. equals one thing about right now is i feel like yes black people do have the opportunity to be successful most of that though whenever we see them in the media is due to entertainment such mm -hmm. as sports and music no we need those black people who are owning businesses owning all of this we all know about the the tragic incident back in the 50s i believe where the black wall street got bombed because mm -hmm. people were scared of our power that we exactly had to be able to actually do the yep. same things that they can and mm -hmm. possibly even better just yep. because we are not we are not inhibited by anything we are the equals and we have we have that grind and we have that hunger so we're going to work exactly. two times harder we're going to work two times harder which is why what we need to start doing is building these black communities and building mm -hmm. these black businesses so that we don't even have to have the uh, opportunity to have to hopefully look to the white man or somebody else. Exactly. Build it ourselves. Our levels. So what we need to do as a black community is yes, support ourselves and be able to build our own businesses up. So 
so that we can not only have our own law. I mean, not even, I'm not trying to say anything like um, radical, like split up the country and do all this mm-hmm. and create our own like Wakanda, whatever T.I. Yeah. Does. I was like, all right, bro, you, you kind of ruined it whenever you said that, man. I'm turning this off. But, <laughs> but no, um, definitely. I just feel like if we have more businesses run by Black people, not and it's not like we're just gonna be like, oh, well, blacks only or anything like that. It's just that no, of you course. need that black power you structure that. in you order to be, uh-huh. for to people to be able to see us not as lower people who are exactly. just given opportunities, but actually as people who are able to do things for themselves and exactly. make their way into the community. Build it so up. I would say definitely those. If I had to split it up between short run and long run, I would say the short run solution for black people right now is to figure out exactly what we want to do right now and not just, just mm-hmm. go out there in the streets like unaimed with no mission we need uh-huh. that mission to be of course to actually get our messages across to whoever the government we what we want like i said we want police reform we want to be seen as racially equals we don't want to be biased just because of the color of our skin or think that we were just given these positions and we would also like it if yes the president of the united states would stop putting out these hateful hateful things and ignorant things like we like under like okay we understand yes you're the president of the united states do your job get off Twitter. exactly like, like please just get do yeah. your four years and go exactly please, yeah get, we gotta and us young people to send him packing when we have the time yeah. we oh, have yeah. to send him send him out of here honestly yeah. it, it's ridiculous like, we really just need to unify we as like it's weird with black people at least in my personal opinion we cannot just be the most unified when one of our people gets killed yeah that should not be the point that makes us have to unify we shouldn't just unify for a week or two after somebody gets killed and then go back to normal this right now i even say with my confidence in my soul right now this will not stand i am taking a stand right now me and Nigel were both educated. We're both smart young men. We're going to definitely go out in the world and we're going to make that change. Mark my words. We'll make that change. We'll create that lasting change. Yes, we have rights, but I want those rights to actually be exercised and extended equally to our people. We will start this revolution and we will see it through. I promise you that we will start making these changes and supporting ourselves and unifying the community. White allies come in here to help us out, you know. After the social media stuff is done, support us. Come, come, come buy the, to train Nigel's shop. Buy, <laughs> buy, a, buy, buy a t-shirt, buy, buy a product, donate to this fundraiser. Donate to our, our nonprofit, the Train Nigel nonprofit, you know. Come on, <laughs> come on in. Take, come with us, you know. So it's this rebuilding. You, white, you people who are not black, you're not left out of it. You can help us rebuild. You know, we're not saying we want a black state. We're not saying we want that. Not just said he said he's has friends from all over. They're cool. So all you need to do is start seeing us as human beings. Start dismiss those prejudice beliefs, confront those prejudice beliefs, challenge yourself internally, grow as a person and support your peers. And come join the revolution. Honestly. This is the point where we draw a line. We should have drawn a line before, but this is ridiculous. When you, when I'm waking up at 2 a.m., group chat going off, did you see President Trump's tea? I'm seeing 
see him say when the when the looting starts or shooting starts like he's like it's a rap verse he wanted to rhyme like that's a cool cool thing he wanted to say i'm thinking the same thing like like, like what you what you you dropping the you dropping the supremacist mixtape are you supporting the country like like come on like like what are you doing here and then he wants to retract say i i didn't mean i didn't mean nah it's too late too late exactly there's there's videos of you saying Basically, saying that you're je- like that you're jealous, like that you feel so black people are given an unfair advantage. An educated black man is actually better off than a white man. But yet, how many educated? Doesn't even matter actually whether or not they're educated. But even if he was educated, it doesn't matter. They'll still be seen the same way by the police. Even even my like first summer coming into school, we're all educated students coming to watch you. Yet, well, we were stopped by the police. The police officer tapping his gun, saying we, uh, accusing us of stealing because some black people stole from IHOP. Have us walk yeah, back yeah. late at night and not even offer, offer us a drive home or an apology. So we're walking back hour and a half to, to 2.30 a.m. because you wasted our time. We missed a train. You didn't offer us your apologies. Come on now, like it's, it's ridiculous how we're living and we really need to make this change right now. And these allies need to come by us, stand by our side more than just social media and donations and really confront this. Like I see these people pro- protesting. I remember back in middle school, you you making all these jokes about how all these prejudice jokes are. Oh, look at these these. Uh, uh, he said some like brownie people or like joking and making fun of me. And this. I'm like chocolate. Pe- I'm like making jokes about chocolate people. Like how? Like think about that. You're you're pro- you're putting this on social media. But, and not to say that those middle school beliefs could not have evaporated. I'm not saying if you made one prejudice thing that you have problems with. <laughs> You never know how those translate. Challenge that there, challenge that now, and challenge that in the future. So we can really grow. Stay, nip that in the butt there. Don't be like, oh, he's just making a joke. Oh, I I, I missed the old days where you could say whatever you wanted. I took a class on prejudice, stereotype, and discrimination. We actually, people think, oh, this is just making a positive joking light. No, when people joke about discrimination, that leads to more discrimination because it's so accepted that they can laugh at it. And in the same way you can laugh, some people probably look at the, look at um, George Floyd with the news and people probably laughing too. You think that, no, that doesn't happen. No, people are probably laughing at that too. They definitely are. I mean, they, I've seen it on social media, um, even earlier they're talking, they're making fun of his uh, facial structure feature saying, you're telling me this man couldn't breathe. Exactly. Thousands of likes and comments, ha ha ha, look at him, he should deserve yep. to die, blah, 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 blah. But hey, that just reminded me, bro, I did, that is uh, these prejudices that you're talking about. I even tell you about the time when Kylan, Delton and I were outside the student-run businesses on WashU, you know that little area where there's mm-hmm. like the benches and like the yeah. memorial stuff? But it was a nice day and we were out there taking pictures, you know, kind of don't and I put it for the gram, you know, of course, you know, trying yep, to flick up. Flick it out, you know, for sure. So we were just taking <laughs> those pictures and then we see this, uh, two people walk by, it was a white girl and a white guy. We said, we said, hey, how are you guys doing? They said, hey. And the first thing the white girl asked us is, are you guys filming a rap video? What? You think that's <laughs> all we can do? Come on, where, where, yeah, where, 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 hold on. Hold on. We're over here just taking pictures, yep. dressed nicely, and like from regular college students, taking pictures in front of some memorial stuff. And your first question is, "Are we filming a rap video?" That's and all. Because that—that's all. That's all that's they see. All they don't take they us see. seriously. 
They don't, and, and the people who do get successful, like, oh, that's an anomaly. I can rule that out. Most people aren't like him, you know. It's it's crazy. We're at the same school. These people still discriminating against us. You know, all these sororities, fraternities, they are posting every day about fundraisers for who knows what. Dance so active, <laughs> but cricket crickets now. Like like, where is that yeah. bingo fundraiser that you had before? Where where, where is that at? Where is it? You need to hold those organizations accountable, white people and black people in those organizations. Why are you participating in organizations that's built in racist ties? I talked to one of my friends earlier. He's in a fraternity. I was just, I think it was Sig New. He said, none of my brothers, which is what they call them, are speaking out. And it's, and it's frustrating. None of them are speaking out. None of them. You, you call a black person your brother, yet when your brother and people who look like your brother are in pain, you're silent. So how would, is that person really your brother, you know? If you really want to say you're cool with black people, you have no issue with black people, but you seem to also have no issue with black people getting killed. Crazy. You're, like MLK said, your lukewarm acceptance is not going to be okay. Just like people told Martin Luther King, stop protesting. Just wait. Just wait for things to happen. No, those, that lukewarm acceptance is just as worse as people, as police officers shooting us with rubber pellets. You're, you're no better because you're telling us to quiet down. And we think that because you talk to us in a way that makes us feel like we're on our side, that we might actually listen to you. So you're trying to manipulate us to be silent. Like you're saying, stop the protest and stop all that. You're trying to manipulate us to be silent so you can remain, at, so we can, you can keep the status quo. What we're saying is we're not going to do that. Like Nigel articulated beautifully, we're going to build up. We're going to build our own communities, our own businesses, and we need to stick to that, support. Support is how we're going to get through this, not hate. Like I said, Nigel said he was angry, but he, he realizes that anger is not going to get him so far. You know, there seems a point where we're going to have to take that, that anger, that, that energy in us and put it towards something positive, you know? And I say that not to say you can't be angry. That's the one thing to do. Like when I said, I posed this question, what can black people do? It's almost like a, uh, what is the word I'm trying to use? It's a rhetorical question. Black people, you do what's good for your mental health because we're the ones being killed. If you, if you feel like you're too hurt to post or look at that videos, don't, you don't have to do that. Sit, read a book, draw, take a walk, do what you need to do to take care of your mental health. You don't have to be a social media warrior. You don't have to do that. Do what's best for you. Because when you're good, when you take that time for yourself, you're good, you can help and help us with the revolution. You can, you can be that, that person who took their time and developed really great writing skills, writing scripts, and now you're writing writing movies that are highlighting like black injustice that are highlighting things that need to be done in the community. Take your time, do what you need to do. Don't feel as though you have an obligation to be a warrior. Don't feel like you're obligated to protest because there are actually risks that come with protesting, which is why these people are even more brave. They're going out there risking their lives for something that they feel like they have to do because otherwise they might be killed, killed another way. We're being killed off people by COVID, unequal insurance, like so many things are killing us off right now. COVID, police, people who want to take the law into their own hands. Come on now. We are disproportionately affected by all of these issues. And it's time to wake up. That lukewarm acceptance, that post, that donation, or their lack of all of that, and you just claiming you're not a racist so you don't need to do anything. We need allies to push this forward. Like, yes, Black people are going to unite, but allies, you can help this. 
You think we would? You think if there was no allies that that white people would respect us enough to to disband all those Jim Crow laws? No. We need y'all. Please step in and challenge those systems. Come on now. We, it's it's on all of us as a collective to make these changes. And I really hope that you guys think about how it would be as us, teenage, like, oh, I guess you're 20, 20 year olds, people in college students trying to get an education. But I can't sleep at night because I'm worried about what my habits and my family members. I'm worried. I'm distraught. I am distraught. I can't do anything productive. I me and Nigel sitting here on a, on a, on a Zoom call at, at like 12 o'clock because I wanted to get this podcast in because I knew I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if I didn't. What, what are you going through? We, we just want to be happy people to live our lives. Black people just want to be happy. But me, not, me and Nigel also can't even hop on a game without people saying niggas deserve to die. Like, come on. Say, no, say, funny, saying niggas deserve to die. We're going to whip you niggas for no reason but hate for no reason. And you think that there's, there's not a problem here in America, that I don't have to say anything because I'm not calling people the N-word. But, you, but you're seeing that. You're seeing the prejudice lead up to that. You're seeing those little discriminations where you're being silent. And you are part of the problem, whether you admit it or not. But you have a chance. You have a chance to take a stand. You have a chance to support us. You have a chance to use your voice, the privileged voice that you have. So please, allies, please stand up and use that voice. Because unfortunately, in America, it's valued way more than ours. And that's all I really have to say. Nigel, you want to say anything to conclude that, bro? No, I feel like, Trey, you wrapped it up very nicely. I like the point that you made. Like you said, we as Black people, we're not trying to rule the world. We're trying to be at the top. We're not trying to be the center of attention. What we want to do is be treated as equals. Yep. I believe that's asking for too much. Then you, yes, are indeed part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so starting, like I said, it is 2020. It's the year 2020 in America. And it just really just that is still at the point where people can't see past the color of a man's skin or the length of his hair or Mm -hmm. his tattoos like it's like there's so many things other things in the world that we should be focused about and doing these things together um yeah but other than that Trey I'd like to thank you for inviting me on this podcast for sure bro appreciate you coming through appreciate you coming through for sure and as a as a closing note I would like to say, please reframe the way you see us and help reframe the way the world sees us. Please help make that reframing possible. Take a stand because not taking a stand is just as worse as those people on the other side shooting us at rubber pellets. Come on now, please stand with us.